We have more sermons by Rulin Allred to compare with biblical truths next on Polygamy. What love is this? We're going to dive again into the published sermons by Rulin Allred, the first leader prophet of the Allred Polygamy Group. We've already discussed several of his sermons and pointed out errors of his belief system when compared with what the Bible teaches. Karen Bradshaw is here again as our co-host the next two programs as we discuss more of his sermons. She was born and raised in the Allred Polygamy Group, so she is familiar with him and with his sermons. Welcome back, Karen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. And for sharing your experiences yeah, uh, as is, we go through his sermons. And I'm sure they're going to, you know, push a button or two. But Yes, I that's remember the these goes. sermons. That's what's so <laughs> amazing. Yeah. You picked when I was very small at three. Yeah, it's the same years. So mm-hmm. this is really interesting. Good, yeah. Well, we've got some interesting topics this time. And in fact, uh, we've got, this yeah. is part one of two on this particular time that we go through his sermons, Uh, but we need to express our desire to encourage polygamists to reject the teachings of men and rely upon the biblical record instead. The arm of flesh will always fail us, but God will never fail us. Uh, His Bible is exclusively authoritative over our lives, and it is His word alone by which we will all be judged. And we read from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 17, how we're going to judge uh, all Red's sermons. So... Second um, Timothy says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training up in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, the sacred writings referred to in that verse are the scriptures. They didn't have the Book of Mormon then. So the it, Bible. It was, yeah, mm-hmm. it was the Bible. And it says it can make you wise for salvation. That's all you need is the scriptures for wise for salvation. Notice verse 15 says that salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. No mention that polygamy adds power or merit to saving faith. That's right. And verse 16 of those verses tells us that all scripture is used for teaching, for training in God's righteousness. But note, it is also to be used for reproof, meaning it cuts down errors and heresies. Scripture is also to be used for correction, meaning it exposes our sin and shows us how to overcome our sin and false doctrine mm-hmm. through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so no other book has ever been written that comes close to being the sanctified express word breathed out by God himself. So we present all read sermons in the spirit of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And we begin this time with the sermon that he gave on August 12th of 1973. And Karen will quote from that sermon. And I was three years old. (laughs) So... Um, I think it is an appropriate time to bear to you my solemn testimony of the existence of a loving Heavenly Father who begot all our spirits in the spirit world 
and then, according to a divine plan that runs down through countless celestialized worlds, he stopped, or he stepped down to mortality and broke a law. Not that he committed a sin, but it was a violation of a commandment. Because he was told not to do it if he didn't want to incur the penalty. When his wife had partaken of the forbidden fruit in order to obey a higher law, he partook of it with her in order that mortal blood might flow in his veins again and that he might become a father of the mortal bodies of those spirits born to him in heaven. Oh, <sighs> that's all heresy. Every <laughs> bit of it is heretical. And, and I gonna, believed it because that's... We, do, we, we that's, didn't know any different. That's your world, yeah. Now, now keeping Second Timothy 3.16 in mind, please, as we go through this, we use the Bible for reproof and correction. Nothing he said is biblical. In the Bible, God has told us who he is and who we are. And it's not even close to what Allred mm-hmm. <laughs> claims about us. Now, we're going to dissect what she quoted. And if you were raised in Mormonism, LDS, or polygamy, you were more likely taught that Father God and Mother God are married and mm-hmm. gave birth to spirit babies back in yonder eternity somewhere sometime. And that once upon a time, God was just a man who progressed, lived polygamy, learned how to earn his own godhood, and populate the planets that he earned for his kingdom, for his own personal kingdom. Now, Allred mentions the spirit world where he claims that we pre-existed as spirit children of Heavenly Father, and and Heavenly Father was Adam. He Mm -hmm. names Heavenly Father as being Adam. Now, biblically, there is no Mormon-type spirit world. There, there is a spirit world of, of, of good and bad angels and, of course, of, of God, who is a spirit. Um, and there are spirits of humans who have died as well. Uh, but there's no pre-existing spirits waiting to get born. That just does, isn't, isn't there. That was hard for me to let go of because it's so indomitable. Yeah, my You're pre-existence so was hard for me to let go of that. Yeah, that, there was two things that was hard to let go of, and that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Because that was my identity, I thought. Yes. But really, it's not. Yes. Now, he said there were celestialized worlds. That's not true. Um, there's no divine plan for a human to become a god and then become a man again and break a law so he can become immortal again. It's all Mormon mythology. And you'll mm-hmm. find nothing like this at all in the biblical record. From cover to cover, you won't find that teaching. And remember, the Bible is to be used for reproof and correction. correction. Even if jo- in Joseph Smith's revised version of the Bible, it says the spiritual did not come first. And we quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 what Joseph Smith wrote in his version of the Bible. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians says it is uh, sown in natural body. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Howbeit that which is natural first, and not that which is spiritual, but afterwards that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly, and the second man is the Lord up from heaven. And they've got twisted this. They totally twisted and confused. all of this. And yeah, it, it, so come, it gets confused, especially when you try to unravel it and get to the truth, especially for someone who's been indoctrinated with the, the, the fact that mm-hmm. Adam, that we were this God and pre-existent and all yeah, that. Yeah. 
Now, this Ferris. is supposed to, what she just read is supposed to have all the corrections that Joseph Smith claimed was wrong in the King James Version Bible. And huh. Joseph Smith's version tells us that the spiritual came after the natural, not before. Specifically said that. In other words, there's no spiritual preexistence. Mm-hmm. Yet their doctrine opposes what their scripture teaches. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Next, Allred said the heavenly father became the man in the Garden of Eve, in, in the Garden of Eden, with Eve as his wife. They ate the fruit because they were supposed to eat it, that it was a commandment not to eat it, but because they couldn't become mortal unless they disobeyed the commandment. And since mortality was their purpose, they had to eat the fruit, but it wasn't a sin. Because it was the plan. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a transgression, which is a sin. They were obeying a higher law by disobeying a lower law. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, any time you go against any commandment of God, it's a sin. It is, period. Right. Sin is lawlessness. That's what the Bible defines it. And a transgression is sin. (laughs) It is. Now, everything, like I said, everything he said is true. You could read Genesis chapter 3 and get the whole story, get the true story. And to get full context, you can read chapters 2 and 3, and you'll find the truth. God did not become Adam. Adam was not God in the flesh, was not Heavenly Father. But that's what Allred taught, and Brigham Young taught that too. And, and besides that, why would God become a man, Adam, so he could become mortal, so that he could become immortal again? Their God's not very big. Their God is it, not very big. It, yeah. it, it, the, their whole concept doesn't make any sense. And, and, of course, biblically, it's a sin to disobey any law of God. So he continues in this same line of thought in the next quote. When he was bowed down with age, 930 years old, he gathered in the valley of Adam on Diamond, all of his righteous posterity. And Jehovah God appeared and laid his hands upon him and blessed him and pronounced him as the father of all living and promised him that he should rule as a prince over them forever. Now, this is Adam again. He lived to be 930 years old. Adam did. The Bible says that. And so this is happening before he dies, obviously, according Mm -hmm. to Allred. Um, Early Mormons and present-day polygamists believe what Brigham Young taught, that Adam is the only God with whom we have to do. Right. So Rulin is preaching that when Adam had reached 930 years age, he gathered all his posterity together into a place, which, by the way, is in the United States of America, according Missouri. to them, <laughs> and in Missouri, actually. <laughs> and there, another father God came to bless him. They called him Jehovah. Mm-hmm. That's Rulin's testimony, based on no physical, historical, archaeological, spiritual, or biblical evidence. And geographically, the Garden of Eden cannot have been in Missouri, which you will discover when you read chapter 2 of Genesis describing the rivers that fed into the garden. They weren't the Missouri River. They were rivers you'll find in the Middle East. Of course, they believe there are uncountable gods who were once humans and progressed to become gods, something the Bible completely denounces. We continue from the same sermon. That divine man in the, the valley of Adam on Diamond, which being interpreted in the Adamic language means the place where Adam was called God, blessed all of his posterity down through the ages of the world, went back into the former position which he occupied, which was our Father in heaven, and now is the Father of our spirits and our bodies. So he owns us body and soul, 
<laughs> it is, I'm sorry, this is hard. He, he it was who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, they mix it up so, so terribly. Yeah, yeah. So it was Adam who gave his only begotten son to us, Jesus, according to Allred. Right. Um, but Adam was just mere, he was made out of the clay of the earth. And, and God, who they claim Adam is, but he's not, God had to breathe life into Adam to make him into a living soul. He disobeyed God's command and fell into sin, and Mormons made them into our God. Remember 2 Timothy 3.16. Mm -hmm. The Bible is to be used for reproof and correction. Jesus is God, but Adam is not. Why does Adam get to be God, but they reject the fact that Jesus is God? That's a good question. I, don't. I was so confused by that. I, I never knew who God was. I mean, I thought it was Adam, but it was so confusing mm -hmm. to me. Well, yeah. it is confusing when you try to put all the pieces together. It is impossibility. But then if you believe Mormon doctrine or biblical doctrine, and if you try to put the two together and mix up the two, it's very hodgepodge. Yeah, and this is life eternal. Yeah. That you shall know the only true God. So they use that and say it's Adam. Yeah, but there's only one only true God, right? Right. Then there can't be other gods. Because if there were other gods, there would be false gods. Because there's only one, only one true God. Amen. Yeah, so they, they don't even know. All right, let's read 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There's only one God. There is one God. There, there's no nothing there that explains that there's only one God for this planet. There's only one God. Okay? Period. Right. Titus chapter 2. Waiting for our blessed hope the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from, our from all lawlessness. So Jesus is the great God and Savior, and <sighs> nobody else gets to take that from them, That's so which beautiful. is what Mormonism has tried to do. And then Allred says, and I quote, I bear you my solemn testimony that I know the things that I tell you are true. He doesn't know these things are true. He's a false prophet. He has been indoctrinated and come up with some of these ideas for on, him, on his own. But they're, they're not from God and they're not from the Bible. He may think he knows they're true, but truth doesn't change. And truth does not contradict itself. Contradictions in the religion Joseph Smith invented are absolutely mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. And the more you study it, the more you find, the more you see. God's testimony reveals that we're saved by grace through faith and not by works. But according to Allred's testimony, we are saved by obedience to Joseph Smith's restoration of an ancient religion. We have another quote. I am very, very divinely grateful for the mission of the prophet Joseph Smith, who came here to restore in this dispensation of time all former laws, ordinances, and blessings of the gospel, not only all those ordinances and laws and blessings which he has instituted from the foundation of the world, but many new and precious things necessary for our salvation. It's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> All their laws and ordinances, they love that, don't they? Don't mm -hmm. they love to give you laws? And new ones. More laws, mm -hmm. and new ones, yeah. And, and, and it's very important to polygamists and to Mormonism as a whole. The primary foundation of Mormonism and Joseph Smith's polygamy is alleged restoration. Right. If they could understand that no restoration was either needed or accomplished, 
they might be shocked. The, the truth of God's testimony proves itself to be unchangeable and was never lost to humanity. If it was never lost, it never needed to be restored. The restoration of all the laws. And, is, and new ones added to they it. They even believed that um, the, the lambs being slaughtered would be restored. The sacrifice of the lamb would be restored in the millennium. <laughs> they taught that. Well, Jesus died once for all. The Bible's very clear about that. He's, he's a once-for-all final sacrifice. Um, but, but then they don't really... Praise God. They believe the Bible only when it suits them. Right. Other than that, they, they don't like to rely upon it. And laws and ordinances are done away with in the New Testament under the New Covenant mm -hmm. established by Jesus Christ on the cross. There, there is no New Covenant of polygamy, no ordinances that polygamists or anyone else needs to... Um, follow. Again, regarding laws and ordinances and the breathed out words of God, we quote from Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, where it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Perfect. He's bringing all these laws and ordinances to bear on all the people listening to him. And what he's doing is alienating them from Jesus. That's what it says. Yeah. Alienate, taking them away from Jesus. Read Romans wow. chapter 3. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through a law, the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by the grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. No law. Notice that no law is through faith. <laughs> so and, 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 and it says the righteousness of God is manifested up Apart from the law. Okay. It's so simple. It, it is so simple. It's so lovely. Uh, the laws and ordinances have nothing to do with the salvation that Jesus brought and bought for us on the cross. He gives it to the yes. those who will believe as a gift. True, we, true believers have been set free from the dependence of religious law to become righteous. Galatians 5.4 clearly tells us that if we rely upon religious law to establish our own righteousness, we are alienated from Christ. We have turned from His grace, and yet it is by grace we are saved. Oh, so it beautiful. just takes them away. Mm. We didn't know that when we were listening to all this garbage growing no. up, did we? no. And the verses in chapters three, chapter three that Karen read explains that our righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And those who believe in him and trust in him alone for salvation receives God's gift of righteousness. It comes only through and because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's really that simple, that simple. A child can do it. A child can understand that. Mm -hmm. And they can do that. Polygamy, Joseph Smith, Mormonism, laws and ordinances are utterly useless. They are nothing more than dead works. Rudin Allred's testimony that these things are true leads many people away from God's testimony of what is true. And he goes on to say this. 
As priesthood holders and fathers of families, it is our solemn duty to be godlike in dealing with our wives and children to teach them the gospel by precept, but more particularly by example, to manifest to them what a loving father can be. Well, I find this a little difficult, and maybe you do too, having been in the group and having known a little more about him than probably most people would have known. Now, I've, I've heard many people say that Rulin was a very godly, gentle, kind person, and no doubt, I'm, I'm not doubting that at all, but he portrayed that kind of of, of, of person throughout his oh, life. But there were loving. also historical accounts where he was not kind, where he was not godly, where he he neglected his wives and kids. He married a 15-year-old, so he broke the law. Yeah, and there's there is even people saying that he's there are some satanic ritual abuses that he performed. I don't know if that's true, but... Well, not having any documentation behind that, we need to investigate that a little further before we could talk about it. But we do know about his underage marriage. Yes. And he fled to and, Mexico to hide. And, um, and just the neglect was was horrendous. The poverty his children went through. And was he, and was he a godly father? Did he... Did he portray that godly father? Well, he appeared to be godly, but he was very, he was not. But to his kids, his actual fathering. Well, they, yeah. Some of them say he was very wonderful, but they only saw him once a month, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And some of them say he wasn't, you know. Yeah, that's so, right. I read the book, Pray and Creditor and yeah. Other Kinfolk. Yeah. It's all about their family. Uh -huh. It's very terrible. And, and he treats through. some, and, and most polygamous men will treat children of one mother better than he will treat children of another mother. I experienced that of myself. Course. Yeah. Yes, I you know, so that's not being a godly father mm -hmm. no. at all. But that's what he preached. He said he was sent away to Mexico because he married a 15 year old girl. That's not manifesting godliness by any means. He didn't practice what he preached. Is That's my right. point, mm -hmm. and and um, again we go back to our scripture is to be used for reproof and correction, and we we measure what he taught up to what scripture said, and he absolutely did not measure up to Bible standards or Bible mm -hmm. truth, I should say. Our next quote is from a sermon he gave on August nineteenth of nineteen seventy three. We have it taught in the Pearl of Great Price in the Book of Mormon, and particularly in the Doctrine and Covenants, that Lucifer sought to take away the free agency of man, which God had given to him, and that if God had allowed him to take away the free agency, it would have resulted in the, destruct the destruction of the souls of men. Without free agency, there is no existence. Wow. <sighs> yeah, that's a wow. First of all, the Book of Mormon <laughs> does not teach the essentials of Mormon doctrine. It does not True. teach that Lucifer attempted to uh, remove free agency from us. The Pearl of Great Price does, and so does the Doctrine and Covenant, but I can't find it in the Book of Mormon, and Allred should have known that. He should have <laughs> known that, but yet he said it teaches it. Mm -hmm. um, now, the Pearl of Great Price and the Doctrine and Covenants are unique writings that Mormons, most people in Mormonism believe in, and they always believe in progressive revelation. That's what they believe in, more information, and we change with the times, and so on. 
Uh, many times the current leader will change or annul previous leader's teachings. They claim they talk to God and then they let the people know what God told them. Unfortunately, there are too many contradictions from leader to leader demonstrating that they're false prophets because God doesn't change his mind like human beings do. And they, he doesn't change with the times either. The next quote is from a sermon he delivered in December of 1973. Yeah, this is bizarre. So, God is a scientist. He abides by his own law. But he also is all wise. He knows the righteousness of the proper administration uh, of the proper administration of the law and the extent of its administration. Sorry. Whatever God does is right, and he administers his law according to that righteousness which is in him. Therefore, God may forgive a, a woman who may become even as a daughter of perdition, who was according to his law worthy of total destruction, if her righteousness and her repentance and her pre preparation met the demands of justice. That mercy might lay claim upon her. So maybe you can be forgiven, but probably not, is, is what he's saying. First of all, God is not a scientist, as he already puts it. God created mm -hmm. science. The law of God uh, that he gave mirrored his personal holiness and perfections. It, he didn't give it so that he could be bound under it himself. He gave the law to communicate his own nature, who he is, and he is not required to abide by his own law. His perfections are revealed in the law. Mormonism places certain sins and apostasy into judgment of perdition. If you're a daughter of perdition, you're a devil. I heard that all my life. That's and terrible. Of this, of course, has no biblical standing. Instead, there's only one judgment, and where that judgment puts you is where you are for eternity. There are no second chances after this life, and Jesus is the only chance in this life. Jesus Christ alone met the demands of justice. Biblical repentance in this life brings God's grace and mercy, but not by works, only through faith in Jesus. Next, I already applies this to polygamy. This particular explanation in this particular section is specifically relating to the eternal law of marriage. The application of a woman's disobedience to her husband in relation to other laws would vary according to the extent of her rebellion. So now he's got mm. to pick on the women. He's got to bring all this together and pile it on the females. They always yeah. do that in polygamy yes. especially. He warns plural wives, don't go against your husband because if you do, you're flirting with the possibility of becoming a daughter of the devil. <laughs> always ruling in fear. And that is the devil's way. It's not God's it's way. It's terrifying he does it, He rules in love, not in For fear. A, a woman. It is. I went through that. It's terrifying to think that Satan's going to be uh, your lord or rule over you. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it is terrifying. I know. I understand. I almost committed suicide. So it's not nothing to take lightly mm -hmm. the way they treat people. It's false, abusive. False doctrine is never to be taken lightly. Not even. Um, he ends this, this section with the statement, we have like ancient Israel a self-righteousness that has never been exceeded. And yet, uh, he... That's exactly what polygamy and Mormonism is. Be righteous by your own self-works. Mm -hmm. Be righteous by what you do. And, of course, Isaiah tells us that we, our righteousness are like filthy rags to God, our self-righteousness. And he will 
uh, in, in Isaiah 57 too, he says, I will expose your righteousness and your works and they will not benefit you. Self-righteousness does no one any good. And I wonder what dictionary they use for self-righteousness because that's exactly what their religion teaches is be, you can be mm -hmm. only be righteous by your good works. So we're out of time. You know, we, we kind of run long on this one. And we've got more to talk about next time in more of his sermons. Um, righteousness is a gift of God. It is not by works. And that's the bottom line. But that is not the bottom line for ruling all red sermons or for the Mormon doctrine. So we've got part two coming up. Thanks, Karen. You're welcome. Thank you. You know, we've been accused of trusting the Bible too much and too exclusively. We've been accused of worshiping the Bible because we express our deep trust in it. But being accused of something doesn't make it true. And it is not true that we worship the Bible, but we do worship the God of the Bible and the Savior of whom the Bible teaches. We do honor and respect his testimony above any human testimony. The Bible tells us to test what we believe and to test those who claim to be prophets. We've done that over and over again and we've tested what we hear from others and what others have told us and every time we compare with scripture God's testimony passes the test. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away. If Jesus can be trusted to be your savior he can be trusted for everything and anything that has to do with your salvation. It is written not written anywhere that polygamy or Mormonism has any bearing on anyone's eternal life. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.